This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. <laughs> 25 cent slushy sip. I didn't even press my luck for whatever that's worth. There were two slushies sitting right here. I did not even press my luck. <laughs> good morning. I'm Angela. It's good to be here with you. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Have we even said that today? Do we have any predictions? Is there any brave Chiefs fan in here? Hey, in the back row? You're going to have to like pray triply for that. Like, good luck. Good luck. Uh, today should be so fun, and actually today's topic should be so fun as well. I really like, Joel, your statement about I have this mixed relationship, because I think most of us do. I've learned a new phrase from Joel, the flinch factor. I used to call it an emotional allergy, but that just sounds way too clinical for what actually happens. That something is mentioned, and I'm like, ooh, I don't want to like, ooh, don't want to do that. I love the title flinch factor. I think a lot of us have a flinch factor when it comes to generosity. This is internal groan of like, oh, okay, that's what we're going to talk about today. I have no mixed emotions about talking about generosity today. I am so excited. If you were here when I was talking about surrender, then you know that I've been on an eight-month journey with these postures that we're talking about in this abundance series. And it has been a game changer for me to pray these three postures every day and then to frame my day by these postures. The posture of surrender, which was my first chronologically that I like went to work on. The posture of mission, which is the one that I feel like this whole next year, God is just stirring stuff for me. And then the posture of generosity, which is the one that has changed my life the most in this eight-month time. This topic, I, I have a timer up here, okay, because like, when your life is changed by something, don't you just want to talk about it? You just want to talk about it. This concept the abundance that it has brought to my life is I'm like addicted to it now. I'm completely addicted to framing my life through a posture of generosity. And I agree with Joel that actually the more I've learned about what generosity can look like, the more I feel like I have to learn. Like I have barely plumbed the depths of what is possible if I will live with a generous spirit. So I am on a learning curve. I have a mixed relationship with generosity like everybody else, but this morning I don't come with mixed emotions. I come with like, let's talk about generosity. So good luck. I got the timer right there, right there. Um, I did a little different teaching notes. Most of the time, we just have blank pages for you to scribble whatever you want. And I know some of us are artist type, and we actually learn better if we're doodling. I'm sorry, artists. I took away your space today. You have to work on the margins. You do not have to fill out these blanks. But I, uh, it just, I thought it would be helpful for this particular topic. So uh, inside here, you have teaching notes. I have pre-filled mine out to help me stay on topic. Uh, the other thing I'll say here at the front um, is that if you're this is your first time in here in this series, you're not going to have any trouble keeping up. We're talking about abundance <laughs> because we wanted to kick off this year in God's gracious spaces. That was what we wanted. What if we launched our year 
moving from what is such a default setting for all of us, this mentality of scarcity, what if we started the year off pressing into a completely different foundational mentality? What if we moved into a mentality of abundance? How could this year be different? And then we've earmarked these three postures, the posture of surrender, the posture of mission, and the posture of generosity as basic pathways to experiencing the sensation of abundance. Ron taught the first week of the series, I thought he made a very compelling case for why our um, sense of mentality or scarcity is not dependent on our circumstances that it's actually a mindset. If you sit through the rest of this morning and feel like, I don't know how to do that, life is just sucking the life out of me right now. Abundance, I'm, I'm barely holding on. I'm barely surviving. I would recommend that you go back to week one of this abundance series and sit in a compelling argument for how we can sense a mentality of abundance even when life is kicking us in the teeth. It is possible and I thought he did a great job of kicking off this series. And then the rest of the talks have just been thematic to these postures. How can we engage in these postures? There is a paper in the back that has suggested prayers. This is the type of prayer that I've been praying every morning on the three postures. I have learned about myself in these eight months that I am wholly incapable of praying the same prayer two days in a row. So this is just um, a sample prayer. This, there's no magic in these specific words. It's a heart space of, all right, God, what would it look like for me to surrender today? What would it look like for me to live on mission, a life of significance today? So these are sample prayers, but you can go off script. That's no problem. But they're in the back, on the back tables as we go out today, if you want them. So... Uh, we're talking about moving from scarcity to abundance, and that mentalities are not about our circumstances, they are about a heart condition. This is a perfect example of what we're talking about today with generosity. I think this mixed sense of our relationship with generosity comes from a lot of teaching that most of us grew up with. If you grew up with it in the church, for sure, I am pretty darn sure, that the talks about generosity had one particular picture in mind, and often what that did for those of us that were raised in the church produced an actual, it actually fueled our mentality of scarcity because it always felt like we weren't giving enough. Anybody else have that sensation about generosity? It's like no matter how much I work to give my time, I work to give my energies, I work to give my money, it's just never enough. This morning, I want to do the exact opposite. I want a completely different approach. I want to redefine what our picture of generosity is. And yes, it includes some of those things that we were maybe taught about what it means to be generous. But it is so much bigger than that. It is so much more variety than that. Lorraine, I know it's my fault. Could you pop forward a couple of slides to the slide that says prayer postures? We are here because in some way, shape, or form, we are spiritually curious. You've walked in this door either already with a posture of learning, of I want to take this thing to the next level, and for some of us, we're coming with a thirst, a spiritual thirst. We can feel there is more available to us if we will tap in. And we've come, in this church, we look to the life of Jesus to see, okay, what did he have? What did he, how did he think? How did he interact with life? And specifically when it comes to the idea of abundance, we can see on Jesus that he had something. 
he did not worry, even though he had all the same problems, and he had awareness of a lot more problems than you and I have awareness of. He did not worry. He seemed to walk with this posture of surrender. He had a beautiful life of significance that he knew. You could tell he was living on point all the way through. He knew why he was here. He knew what he was working for, and he had an amazing life of significance. That is what we crave as well. That's that posture of mission, knowing why I'm here and what I'm doing today that is making my life significant. And then also, he lived with open hands. Even if you don't know your Bible that way, most people who, aren't, who would not even say they affiliate with a Christian faith uh, background would say that the narrative that they have about Jesus was that he lived open-handed with love and acceptance and a generosity of spirit. This is the model that we have for us. This is why we're pressing into these postures because we can see when these things add up, they equal a life and a spirit of abundance. But one of the places that I'd like to switch this morning is focusing from what we traditionally focus on, which is acts of generosity. And this morning, I'd like to focus on a spirit of generosity. I think if we press in to cultivating a spirit of generosity, we do not need to worry about being generous people who act in generous ways. If we simply just enjoyed the places where generosity grows, if we found ourselves in the spaces where generosity grows, it will grow in us. This morning I want to take, here's a different approach I want to do. I would like to paint a picture of how generosity looks different, the new faces of generosity. I'd like to point where generosity is already growing in your life and acknowledge where you're farming generosity. But even if you're doing the right things all of the time, sometimes it just takes a matter of like, I need to acknowledge that this is me growing generosity in order to realize, oh my word, I am a generous person and I can just press into this and not be haranguing myself to do more generous acts. Then I'd like to paint new faces of generosity and then also let's look at some new acreage where we might be farming generosity. If generosity grows in the right conditions, how can I get to those conditions? But then also where are there other opportunities for those conditions to be present where generosity is just growing while I am going about my daily life? I am becoming a more generous person every single day in small little interactions that maybe I didn't realize before. That's the approach I'd like to take. So the first place I want to talk about where generosity grows is in gratitude. Gratitude is the place where generosity grows. I I was just talking to a friend this last week who they have a practice of starting their day with five gratitudes. That friend is fostering a sense of abundance and a spirit of generosity all of the time because as I press into what I have already received, it makes me more free to consider giving it away. It makes it more free for me to realize that more can be coming because look, in this way, in that way, in this way, in that way, I have already received This morning, I was driving here, and the sunrise was just really spectacular. And I wanted to pull over to the side of the road and take a picture because I do that a lot. I live on what I believe to be the best street in Petaluma. I'm sorry if you love your street. Rainsville? 
If you haven't traveled Rainsville, you're, like, you're missing out. It's cow pastures and sheep pastures and a llama that watches out over the sheep. And it's the rolling hills of Petaluma. And on my way to work, I'm looking at Sonoma Mountain and the sun is shining. So this morning, probably because this is all swirling, this morning as I'm driving in and I'm thinking about pulling over, my next thought is, I never capture it. I am a terrible photographer, a terrible photographer. But because I've been pressing into this idea of generosity and gratitude being the place where it grows, you know what my next thought was? I love my eyeballs. Like, I love them. Like, what do they do for us? Like, I love them. So I do complain about cameras and my lack of skill with cameras because they cannot capture what my eyeballs do without me ever thinking about it. That produces a spirit of abundance. I had this precious moment thanking God for my eyeballs. Like, that's it. Like, you got them. I don't know what other body part you like that is serving you well. <laughs> I don't know. But like, we, gratitude produces a spirit of generosity. Hmm. Am I going to give you my eyeball? Like, maybe that's not a one-to-one -one ratio. Like, it, <laughs> I'm super grateful for them. Now I can share. No, I, I'm going to keep. <laughs> whatever. I'm game. All right. That points, that points to the next place where I think generosity grows. Is when we consider the source of what we have already received. So gratitude talks about, uh, my spirit spends time in gratitude talking about the fact that I have received so much. I cannot give away what I have not received. Gratitude does that. Considering the source of what I have received also produces a spirit of generosity. That what do I really have that I have done? I love the work that I do. I love the work that I do. That is something I throw myself into. But I am wholly reliant on you guys giving to this organization so that I can continue to do the work that I love to do. What have I really done that is just mine, mine? And the work that I love to do is based on skills that were woven into my being that I had no choice over. I'll tell you because in high school, I really wanted a different everything. I would not have picked. I would not have picked this. It's taken a lifetime to actually like what God wove in. So even the things that I like about me now, like what really do we have that we sourced, that we were the resource of? Pressing into this idea of a design, a divine source produces a spirit of generosity because I have very limited resources. And we're going to circle back around to this when I start to give new faces of generosity because there is so much for us to give that is limited. I can only give this much, but if I will press into a divine source for the things that I want to be generous with, I will recognize a limitless quantity available to me. So if we want to grow generosity, just acknowledging where our stuff is coming from is a huge place to, to foster abundance. And then also, optimism is a place where generosity grows. And this is a little bit counterintuitive to me at first because I don't know why, I'll bet it's some psychological thing where we are like drawn to the negative of what we cannot do. But if we would just focus on what we can give, it produces this sense of abundance instead of, well, I, I want to do this, but I can't, I can't, I can't. 
Instead, it's like, oh, look here. Look what I can give. I can give you a smile, even while tears are coursing down my face. I can give that. I can give you eye contact. Again, even in difficult circumstances, I can give you eye contact. What is it that we can give? I want to cut back this little We'll circle back around to this as well after we talk about the new faces of generosity. Because optimism, focusing on what we can give rather than focusing on I should, simply just looking at what we already are doing will produce a spirit of generosity in us. So here are some new faces of generosity. And I've given you a little bit of blanks there because I think as I'm talking about a few examples, you're going to think of some of your own. And then go off script, like just write it down because you'll have your own faces of this. But here's what's happened for me in the last eight months. My definition of generosity was pretty well stuck to the, the classic three. My time, you've probably heard these, my time, my talent, and my treasure. I can give of my time, I can give of my skill set to the things that I value, and I can give my money to the things that I value or to people that I'm wanting to be generous with. These are the three pillars. I love them. Those are great. Those are wonderful things to do. When I began to pray, can I live today in a posture of generosity? What I began to see was I was way limited, way limited on what I'm able to give. For instance, I found that if I would press into the idea of a design, a divine source, that I can give forgiveness generously. I can give almost unlimited forgiveness. Now, I have my resources. So you, let's just say you mildly offend me. <laughs> let's say that never happens. Let's just say you mildly offend me. And I go through this process of forgiveness, and I give you forgiveness, and I don't struggle too badly the first time. The fourth time, especially on the same topic, like when you keep stepping on my toes, there, don't we have like this cap of like, all right, there it is. And I don't know if it's four or if it's like 17 for you, maybe you're a particularly generous person, but for me, it's probably three, if we're honest. <laughs> I have a limit. What I have learned in the last eight months, and I don't, for those of you that are creative types, you're probably going to resonate with this. If you're not creative, you probably have your own way of approaching this that would do the same effect. But here's what I picture, and this is why I am both beautifully a humanist in believing in our God-given design, but I am also not a humanist at all. So you've mildly offended me for the third time. I look inside. Okay, what do I do? And then the Holy Spirit says to me, well, we forgive. That's what we do. We extend grace. That's what we do. To which I reply to myself. <laughs> I reply, uh, yeah, we did that two other times, and I did not change this. And I don't like how this feels. To which we have this conversation back and forth. And I have found that I'm, I, I'm empty. I don't have another forgiveness to offer. What's been so fascinating as I've pressed into generosity, and specifically this idea of a divine source is that I, what I visualize, you'll have your own, is a backpack on my back that is filled by God. So I go inside and I look for the forgiveness that I know I want to offer you the third time, and I cannot find it. But because I've been framing my day in a posture of generosity, the next thing I think is, okay, well, where can I find some forgiveness? Like, where do I get some? Because I'm out. 
I have this backpack because I am in partnership with the divine source of all good things. I mentally go into my backpack and I, this is just a sneak peek into how my brain thinks. I mentally picture opening the backpack and it's so cavernous that I can't see the bottom of it. And I literally think, do you have some forgiveness in your backpack? <laughs> you, even I can admit that's ridiculous. It's so effective. It's so effective because I realize I'm out. I'm out. But the question is, could God hand me something that I need that God is like, I want you to have enough forgiveness. In fact, the Bible says, I want you to have 70 times seven. Like I'm at three and I've been a Christian a long time. I want you to have limitless amounts of these things that are about a generous spirit. So I, in all curiosity, ask, do you have another forgiveness in you? Because I'm out. I cannot tell you how much is in that backpack. I cannot tell you. So much so that the backpack has begun to morph into a very familiar picture for those of us that were raised in my era. Do you recognize this bag? I brought a picture of it. I brought this bag. It's like begun to morph. No matter what I am in need of, I just like look at my little bag. It's like, is there enough forgiveness in here? Okay, so forgiveness is one face of generosity. Every time we extend forgiveness to someone, it fosters a spirit of generosity in us if we will do it by partnering with the source of all that is good. So forgiveness. Here's another one. Charitable assumptions. Sure, I have... No. If I partner with God, I have unlimited charitable assumptions. So let's go back to the third time that you have offended me. The first time you've offended me, it's like, oh, they're having a bad day. The second time you've offended me, it's like, hmm. And then I work on forgiveness. And then the third time <laughs> you've offended me, my little hmm has gone from certainty. Like, all right, this is a thing. Like, it, it is like settled in my mind. What has been so fascinating in this period is to ask, could I write another charitable assumption? Could I not define you by this thing that keeps happening between us? Do I have a generosity? No, not within me. In my carpet bag, <laughs> I cannot believe how much is available to write the charitable assumption again. And what is it really costing me? What's it costing me? Well, I will tell you, you'll have your own battle. For me, it's costing a sense of justice. I'm all kinds of justice oriented. But what's so fascinating is like, do okay, what do I want? Do I want justice or do I want abundance? Do I want to be a generous person? I want to be a generous person until justice is, you know, threatened. Then I can press into these postures. I can put my face into that backpack and find out if God could give me what I do not have, what I have run out of. Another face of generosity is patience. This, these are not the three pillars. This is a totally different view of fostering a generous spirit, and you're already doing them every day. Every single time I have the thought, oh, this week, this was a, annoying week. This was like 
frustrating week, big time. And I found myself on Thursday, and God bless Julie, who is uh, my coworker, was standing in the moment with me. And I found myself saying out loud, if blank happens again, I'm going to lose my poop. <laughs> like, I wasn't thinking poop. <laughs> I was mad. <laughs> if blank happens again, this is a perfect moment for generosity. It's a perfect moment. Do I have the ability to communicate with the people that are causing these circumstances? Hey, we need to go about this differently. Yes, I absolutely do. But that moment when I am out of patience is a moment for me. That's a moment for my abundance. And how much better are my interactions of honest feedback to the people that are causing the circumstances that are making me struggle how much better does that conversation go when I have pressed into a spirit of abundance, when I can walk into that conversation in full power and say, okay, we got to change these circumstances. But when I press into a mentality of scarcity, they are setting me off. They are making this untenable. They are messing this up. When I press into a different space, now I'm all kinds of holding my breath in that conversation because I don't want to smash him with those thoughts. I, we, I know we instinctively play this game. What if, what if we looked in to the backpack? It was like, is there more patience to be found in here? Can I find a spirit of generosity in these circumstances so that when I go to give this feedback, I can give it in a spirit of generosity, and we can return to being on the same team and working together to solve this problem, that if we're honest, I'm probably not the only one that's frustrated by this, right? Like, whatever's going on over there is probably frustrating as well. How much better to come in? Generosity is fostered in so many more places than I would have ever guessed, and I am participating more than I would have thought. I would have told you, and I think you probably define yourself this way as well, I would have told you that I want to be generous. I would have told you that I was working on generosity, but what I would have been picturing in my head was feeling guilty for the lack of generosity. What's been so fun about redefining the faces of generosity is that I spot it in my life so much more often. Also, it's a, it's a cool can-do spirit that fosters optimism. Like, if you think about it, I am participating more often than I thought I was. But additionally, I spotted on you guys towards me so much better. I can see when you have chosen to give me a charitable assumption, when you ask me a question about something that we're miscommunicating on. I can see when I've been offered forgiveness and feel a sense of gratitude. Pressing into these faces of generosity is like a generosity engine that I'm not even really working hard to foster. It's just feeding itself. Here's a couple of other faces of generosity. Wanting to say yes, even when I have to say no. That happens all of the time. But one of the fascinating things that I have discovered is that I shut that part of my heart down in order to not feel guilty. So let's say you ask me, hey, can you come help me move on Saturday? 
And I really cannot afford to put that into my weekend. I can't. If I'm going to be able to accomplish the other commitments that I've made, I can't. What I have done in the past is say, I'm so sorry I can't. But what I've thought inside is I've had to put guards up because I don't want to feel guilty about letting you down. What's been so fun about pressing into a spirit of generosity is giving myself permission to actually grieve the no's that I'm saying. To let that space be open where I can acknowledge that actually I want to say yes and I don't need to feel guilty for saying no. That I am still a generous person even when I have to say no. And it's fostering this spirit of abundance. It's taking away the spirit of the mentality of scarcity. It's taking away the guilt. And it's making me free to believe in my capacity to be generous. It's amazing just wanting to say yes, even when I have to say no. And this is a major alteration for me of moving out of the whole idea of generous acts versus a mentality of generosity, that I'm defining it completely differently. Then there's one other face of generosity that I have never heard anybody talk about, but that our society needs so badly. And I'll bet you're already doing it. And we just need to acknowledge, hey, this is us practicing generosity. Inclusion. Inclusion is a limitless resource that we could be offering to each other that fosters a spirit of generosity. It's a face of generosity. What if I used my relationships to make you feel like you belong? What if I used my social power? I have a powerful personality. I can use that. <laughs> that could go one of two ways. <laughs> if, if I, what if I used my personality to make you feel seen? What if I used my invitations to draw you in? What if I used my generosity of spirit to let you share your opinion even when I don't share that same opinion? What if generosity was the posture that we took in this election year? What if inclusion was bigger than our differences and our disagreements? What if? Inclusion, I believe, is a face of generosity that we are interacting with all of the time. How cool if we acknowledged it and then watched it grow? What if? I mean, these are different faces of generosity. I do want to talk about one thing that starves generosity because I think it's kind of an epidemic inside the church. This is a place where I feel like the church, not just our church, but the church has gotten it wrong. And I'd like to be honest about it. I believe a lack of boundaries starves generosity. And I'm going to spend like a half a minute on this, but it was like three years of counseling, you guys, <laughs> for me to say that sentence. But I have come to believe that what I thought was a generosity of spirit that was actually self-violation, allowing my voice to be silenced, allowing um, me to agree with something that was said about me that wasn't true, but I didn't want to be the bad Christian who was like, wait, that's not true. Like, I did not understand boundaries. One thing I would say is, if we are, if, if self-violation is present in that I know something is true and I am not speaking up about it, if I have lost my voice in a relationship or in a dynamic, the the 
ramifications of that being bitterness and silenced voices and a constant battle of forgiveness because inappropriate things are happening will always suck the life out of our generosity. So some of us in here, our biggest battle with being more generous people like we want to be might not be pressing into generosity. It might be pressing into boundaries so that who you are, the generous nature that you have inside of you can uh, flourish, thrive, blossom, and bloom if we will close down that leak that is happening. A lack of boundaries, I believe, starves generosity. And we can close that leak and then let generosity grow. So I gave on the back of your paper, we're not going to go through them, I just gave you a little smorgasbord of what I thought was, if we're going to talk about where generosity grows and how we're already farming generosity, let's talk about that acreage that's available. If you're like, hey, I want to start keeping an eye on where I'm being generous. I want to see, I want to practice generosity in order to move this out of a thing that I hope I'm doing to acknowledging things that I'm already doing and to just see what will grow if I try it on for size. So I have given what I think are infinitely... Like, you could go down a bunch of rabbit trails down these things. But it's just little ideas that I know because I've called your attention to it that you're reading while I'm talking. Uh, totally fine. What if we made, I'm just going to use a couple of examples. What if we made every thank you count? What if when we were standing at the movie theater line to buy our little tickets or buy our little popcorn, what if when they say, have a nice day, or when they say, okay, here's your popcorn, what if we looked them in the eye and was like, thank you for my popcorn? A couple of times recently in this eight months, I have finished up a meal at a restaurant and the server or the busser comes to take the plates. And I, instead of being like, thank you, which is nice of them to take the plates, instead of just saying thank you, I have said, thank you so much for dinner. It was delicious. <laughs> it's like the smallest thing, but somebody else cooked my dinner. I didn't, I don't know, doing the dishes. Like, what if we made our thank yous count? What if we offered eye contact more? and just connected human to human. Would that foster a spirit of generosity? Would that help us acknowledge where we're already doing this thing that we want more of? What if we, any number of things, oh, erased envy. This is like a direct hit on Facebook right here. What if when we saw somebody living their best life on Instagram or on Facebook, what if we chose to celebrate their blessings instead of compared or instead of felt envy? What if we chose generosity in that moment? Like, these are so simple. Somebody one time, I can't give any credit, I don't remember who it was, told me that they turn all of the scanner uh, barcodes on their, you'd think this was my husband because it was a Costco example. My husband loves Costco. But they turn all of the barcodes towards the cashier while they're waiting in line. Like, we're all standing there. We're all waiting in line. What if, when you put your groceries out, what if you turn the barcode so that it's ready for the cashier? Like, what a little moment of feeling generous that costs us nothing. Like, there's so, so here's a little smorgasbord for you of like, I just want to try that on for size and see what happens. We want to live 2020 from a place of God's generous, gracious spaces pressing into the Mary Poppins carpet bag that we have available at all times. And Mary Poppins is practically perfect in every way. 
But God is literally perfect in every way, you guys. It's a better bag. We can't do it. It's so fun. Open up your curiosity and your imagination and press in. I'll bet you'll be surprised where you are already farming generosity. And then just give God permission to do what he wants. I'd like to close by actually praying the generosity posture prayer. And again, I would not end this journey. I did not do eight months of preparation in order to teach this series. I did it because I want these things in my life. This is not done for me. Take one. Pray it every day. It's such a fun way to interact with life and with God. But today, I'd like to pray the generosity prayer. And each one of these has hand motions to go with it. So surrender starts with fighting fists, like put your dukes up. And then it ends with surrender. And mission starts with arms folded and crossed, like my life is about me, but then it opens up to include life about other people. And then generosity, I picture like I'm clutching my Slurpee. (laughs) (laughs) I'm clutching the things that I desperately don't feel like I have enough of. And then it ends with opening our hands out and letting things flow. So if you're comfortable in joining me with that, we can close our eyes. Nobody needs to see your hand motions. Let's do the hand motions while I pray this and let your spirit resonate with it if it feels authentic to you. All right, here we go. Clenched fists. I confess I spend too much time trying to desperately hold on to what I believe is mine. I'm fooled into thinking that I am defined by what I have and what I do. I confess I am often convinced there's not enough of the things I need, and I don't think to ask for your resources. These clenched fists are not how you lived, nor how I have experienced you. So I choose to hold my hands open as a symbol of generosity. I choose to receive from you today and to give to others. I am only a steward of all that you have given me. What I have is not mine. Acceptance, forgiveness, gifts and talents, things I don't deserve, things I haven't earned, a sense of belonging and love. I want to mirror the way you opened your hands to humanity lavishing your love and your life on us. I want to live open-handed in a closed-fisted culture. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.